Well, good morning, Four Points Church. Welcome, welcome. I am so glad to see you guys. I was away last week, and it felt weird. I mean, it was nice to have a break, but my goodness, I love my church. I love being at Four Points. My name is Jenny Scott. For those of you who are new, and I want to extend a welcome to you and say we are so glad that you are worshiping with us this morning. We are continuing today in a series that we have been doing here called It's Time. And we have talked about some really powerful concepts about how it is time for change and it's time to create space in our lives. It's time to quit digging up bones we talked about last week. And today we are talking about it's time for rest. Somebody say amen. It is time for rest. And I got to tell you, when we first started planning this series, the topic of rest is actually not one that we initially put into the series. And the more we talked about it, the farther along we got, the more I just felt compelled to really share with you guys some of the things that I have personally been learning about the concept of rest and Sabbath and how that is to be incorporated into our lives. And I am really excited to share some of those things with you. All right, for those of you who have been participating in our 21-day fast, I got to say today, you made it. Today is day 21. I'm proud of you. You made it, and you better go eat some chocolate or whatever it was that you gave up. Tonight, we're going to be sharing some of the stories um, of what God has done in people's lives through the 21-day fast at our chili cook-off. Cook uh, you guys better plan to come tonight at 530. It's going to be so much fun. Last time I checked, we have 18 people who are putting their chili in to be judged by Pastor Joe and some others. And um, he said earlier that he has taken bribes. So if you really want your chili to win, see this man up here in the plaid. That's going to be so fun. But we're going to be sharing some of those stories about what God did during the fast. And y'all, I spoke with a woman this morning, and she shared some things with me that just blew me away. I always love to hear how God is moving in other people's lives. So I really encourage y'all to come out tonight for that. So today we are talking about, as I said, the concept of rest, and I want to do a little crowdsourcing as we start today, okay? I want you to raise your hand if you have ever uttered this statement, and Angela Barnett, you better raise your hand because I heard you say it this week, there are just not enough hours in the day. Y'all said that before? Okay, there are just not enough hours in the day. What about when somebody asks how you are, have you ever said, good, I'm just really busy, or good, I'm just tired. Have y'all said that? Okay. Raise your hand if you would say that at this moment you could use a little more rest. Did anybody wake up this morning and immediately think about how many hours it was until you could either take a nap or go back to bed? I know, Shannon, right? Okay. All right. Last question. How many of you ever have trouble either going to or staying asleep? Y'all, God wanted to give me an illustration for this message because last night I had both. I could not go to sleep, and then once I finally did, I was awake again. I've been awake since 4 o'clock this morning. I better watch out. That's right. Ill tale up here. So a lot of us have a lot of trouble sleeping. That seems to be a problem in the United States today, the concept of rest and the amount of sleep we get. I wanted to share some statistics I found this week that I, that I thought were pretty interesting. So there was a survey done in 2018 that said 80% of adults, and based on those of you who raised your hands, I would probably agree with this, 80% um, of adults reported problems with sleep at least once a week, and 50% reported trouble staying asleep. Okay? What about this one? In 2015, so five years ago, Americans spent $41 billion, that's with a B, billion dollars on sleep aids and remedies. 
And that is expected this year in 2020 to increase to $52 billion. On sleep age, y'all, a comfortable mattress or the, the perfect pillow or Ambien or, or uh, melatonin, an eye mask. Think about all those things we use to help us sleep well. Do y'all ever use a sound machine? My nieces go to sleep to a sound machine, and I'm starting to think that needs to be an investment that I make. It's a birthday present right there, okay? So we spend a lot of money trying to sleep well. This one did not just blow my mind, but it scared me. An estimated 1 in 25 adult drivers reported having fallen asleep while driving in the past 30 days. Y'all pass more than 25 cars in a day. Then people are falling asleep. It might be you. Falling asleep while driving. Now, I want you to think about how our sleep patterns or lack thereof affect not just us behind the wheel or in what we're spending at Walgreens, but think about how that affects your interpersonal relationships. Does it affect the way that you treat other people? i got to read this to you because I laughed out loud when I read it. Studies show that when someone is tired, he or she misreads other people's social signals. A tired person will project negative motives onto other people and find it hard to resist lashing out in response. So you're not just mean to your spouse. You're tired, right? Like if, if, if today you have an argument, just say, baby, I'm sorry, I'm tired. Blame it on your lack of sleep. Sleep, y'all, is a huge issue, and it affects every part of our lives, right? The way we spend money. It affects our relationships. It affects us at work, right? Our productivity goes down when we are tired. Y'all know, though, that sleep is not the same thing as rest, right? Today, the title of this message is it's time for rest, not it's time for sleep, because there's a difference, right? You know that not all sleep results in rest, because you can sleep. And you can wake up and still need more, right? So not all sleep leads to rest. And likewise, rest does not only come through sleep. And so we're going to be talking about that today. Now, I jokingly asked you earlier if you have ever said that there are not enough hours in the day. And I have, and I've meant it, or I thought I did. But one of the things that I think we have to do when we say things, we also have to really look at what we mean, and so when we say there are not enough hours in the day, I think the natural follow-up to that has to be not enough hours for what, right? Not enough hours for what? Because when, when we say that, most of us are saying there are not enough hours to accomplish all of the things that I want to accomplish, to do all of the things that I want to do. But I want to tell you another thing that I learned in my research this week, and that is that Americans actually have a lot of leisure time. We actually have a lot of downtime where we are not at work. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics in 2018, so not that long ago, on the average day, nearly everyone aged 15 and over, 96% of us engaged in some sort of leisure activity, such as watching TV, socializing, or exercising. Men, how y'all got 49 more minutes a day than women do? That's what, that's what studies say. Y'all got 49 more minutes a day than we do of leisure time. Watching TV is the activity that occupies most of that time, 2.8 hours a day. Isn't that interesting? We say there aren't enough hours in the day, but we're watching TV for three of them. What are we doing? What's happening? If that's the way that we feel about the hours in our day, if that's the story that we tell ourselves and what we've convinced ourselves of, that we need more hours in a day, we have to think about what's going on. 
And another interesting thing I found this week is that there's actually a sweet spot for the amount of leisure time that we need in our days. Because if we go above the sweet spot, if we spend more time in leisure activities, you know what actually happens? Our satisfaction rates go down. The more time we have for leisure, the more unfulfilled we feel. The more discontented and sad we get. That's what studies show. And you know what the amount of leisure time is that is the sweet spot? Two and a half hours. Two and a half hours is the sweet spot, but most of us are spending actually more than that. And I wonder if there's a connection there with how we rate our level of satisfaction or with why we say there aren't enough hours in the day. Maybe the way we're spending our hours actually is not really accomplishing what we think it will accomplish. we got to think about things like that, right? If we're going to live this life and spend our hours in a certain way, we need to analyze if it's accomplishing for us the type of life that we really want to have. Now listen, we're not just talking this morning about what the CDC says or what the Bureau of Labor Statistics says. We're talking about what the Word of God says about sleep and rest and and how and why that matters to us as followers of Jesus. And so I want you to go with me to the very beginning where God first talks about rest, and that is in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 2 is where we're going to be. In Genesis 1, God is creating everything, right? Like he's just work, 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 working, getting everything made. And this is where we pick up. In chapter 2, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed that seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, I want you to know that the word for rest here, where it says he rested from all his work, is the word Shabbat, which does not mean took a nap, or laid on a couch, or watch Netflix, right? Like, that's not the resting that God was doing. But that word actually means to stop and to cease from working. So on the seventh day, he rested by stopping the work that he had done. And I want y'all to think this morning, did God stop his work? Did he rest because he was tired? Think about that. Like, God is not a person He did not get tired. He didn't create, create, create for six days and go, man, I need a nap. And that's why he stopped and rested. He is not limited in the way that you and I are limited. We are created so that our bodies have to have sleep, right? We can't function without it. God is not that way. So the purpose, therefore, of rest is not just physical sleep. There's a higher purpose to it. And we're going to come back to that in just a second. The second thing I want to point out about this passage is that it says he blessed the seventh day and made it holy. You need to know that the word holy here means set apart. That day is consecrated. It is special. It is unlike the other six days. It was true then. And it is to be true for us now. So the Sabbath, here are some truths for you now. The Sabbath is not just about the body. Because for God, he didn't have a body, right? He stopped his work so that he could enjoy his creation. And then the Sabbath is a holy or set apart day. Those are two truths that are going to be critical to what we're going to talk about today. We'll come back to those. Now I want you to look at the book of Exodus. 
okay? This is where God is giving his people 10 commandments, okay? You might be familiar with this. And one of those commandments is about that holy set apart day that he established when he first created everything. Look at what the word says. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. I established it as a holy day. Y'all keep it that way. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the seventh day, the Sabbath, and made it holy. So what happens here is that God goes from having created a Sabbath day and establishing that in the beginning to now making it a commandment for his people. Just like circumcision was an outward sign that the Israelites belonged to him, the Sabbath was also to be a symbol to the rest of the world, a visual representation that this group of people is different because they live differently. They do things differently than the rest of the world. But it wasn't just to be an outward sign. It was also to be an inward reminder for his people. And I want you to get this. It was to be an inward reminder to his people that he is holy. He blessed that day and he made it holy so it would remind his people of him. Do y'all ever get so busy in the course of your week doing the things that you do that sometimes you forget that God is God and you are not? Sometimes we feel like masters of our own universe because we're the ones working and producing and getting the paycheck and moving the kids from here to there, grabbing the groceries, doing all the things that we do, and we can very easily forget that God is God and we are not. And God establishes with his people here this command to observe the Sabbath, to keep it holy, not as a punishment, right, but as a gift. Hey, on this day, you are to cease your working you are to stop and remember who you are and whose you are and who I am and that I am your creator and I am your provider. It was to be a gift. But what happened is the same thing that happens whenever humans get in charge of something. People began to, began to kind of pervert the Sabbath, right? They began to add all of these rules to it, things you could do, things you couldn't do. And if you did them, you got in huge trouble or you might be ostracized from your society. They couldn't sew. They couldn't bake bread. They couldn't knead the bread. They couldn't plow. There were so many rules, things that they could and couldn't do. Have y'all ever had that conversation in a church where people tell you you can and can't do certain things on a Sunday? Like you can't go out to eat because you're forcing somebody else to work. You can't cut your grass. We do the same thing when we talk about the Sabbath, right? But God did not establish it. He did not establish the Sabbath to be a list of rules to be followed. He established it to remind his people of the special relationship that he has with it, with them. And I want us to, to get back today to the heart of the Sabbath, to the heart of a stopping day. God established that day and commanded it for our own benefit, not as another rule to be followed, not another reason to feel guilty if we don't measure up, but as a gift for us to stop doing and enjoy being to enjoy his creation, to remember that he is the creator, to be still and know that he is God, to remember that all of the labor that we do during the week is in vain if it's not done in him. That's what a Sabbath is to truly be for and to be about. 
But we have to stop and think. We are no longer in the Old Testament, right? We're no longer in the Old Testament. So as new covenant believers that we are under the blood of Jesus Christ, what in the world does Sabbath have to do with us? Right? If we don't have to follow the strict rules that the Israelites would have had to follow about a Sabbath day, then what in the world are we to do? How are we to incorporate the, the concept, the idea of a Sabbath into our lives? Well, here are some things, first of all, that I think you need to know. First, your Sabbath does not have to be Sunday. Everybody listen to me. The word Sabbath does not mean Sunday. It means stop. A Sabbath is a stop day. It doesn't have to be Sunday. Just because you showed up at church this morning doesn't mean you are observing the Sabbath. You know what it means? It means you came to church. It's something very different, right? So Sabbath can truly be any day of the week that you and I choose to observe it. The Jews, if you encounter a Jew today, they observe the, the Sabbath Excuse me, from Friday evening to Saturday evening, right? Jordan, our piano player, he was telling me that in major cities, and you might be aware of this if you're more cultured than I am, in major cities, elevators have a Sabbath setting because they're not allowed to press the buttons. They just walk in and it moves up one floor at a time so they have the option to get off so they don't do the work of pressing the button. If that's not right, if that's not true, and he made it up just to make me look foolish, y'all blame him, okay? But that's what he said. That's what he said because he has a little more culture than I do. But, but y'all, listen, the Sabbath doesn't have to be a Sunday. It does not have to be a Sunday. For many of you, it's a work day. For me, for Pastor Austin, for the staff of this church, it's a work day. So our Sabbath is Friday. We usually take Fridays off from work. Listen, I don't want you to get stuck on what day of the week you stop. What I want you to focus on is stopping. Don't we all need to stop? I'm giving you permission this morning, right? I'm giving you permission that God is telling us, guys, it is not good for you to be a nonstop worker. I did not establish the way of the world so you are a nonstop worker where productivity is the goal of your entire life. No, you are also to enjoy being a human being, right? So Sabbath doesn't have to be a Sunday, but Sabbath also doesn't happen without intention. You will never accidentally stumble into stopping, right? That is not the way it goes. We are people who like to accomplish things, who like to do things. And here's what I've learned. Even if I'm not physically doing something with my body, my brain ain't going to stop. It's just not. My husband and I went on a date last night, and I told him we are having a conversation about this and some other things, and I said, I just can't get my brain to stop thinking. And you know when your brain is in that mode of nonstop thinking, doesn't that feel like work? Don't you need it to rest? That doesn't happen without intention. We have to deliberately carve time out to not just stop our bodies, but to also still our minds. We have to do that because the enemy is going to come against us and throw everything he can at us to keep us from being still and knowing that God is our God. Now, I told you that Fridays typically are the days that, that I don't work. And I have really in the past several months tried to make that become, at least part of the day, a Sabbath for me. But I have learned as I have begun practicing Sabbath that I can very quickly fill my days. I might not be at work, but I'm doing laundry. I'm catching up on stuff. I'm running my errands. I might even sit and read a book or watch Netflix or take a nap. But if I am doing those things and not stopping 
and focusing on the holiness of my God, then my Sabbath becomes a day of self-worship and not a true Sabbath of remembering the holiness of my God. We can convince ourselves because we're not at work that we are resting. But until we rest in Christ and his sufficiency and his holiness, it is not a true Sabbath. It's just a day off work. So we have to intentionally choose to practice Sabbath. Now listen, I could preach a lot of sermons about this with things that I've learned. And we could get into the arguments of, well, should I cut my grass on a Sabbath? Or can I go to the store? Can I go out to eat? I'm not going to tell you what you can and can't do. That's something you and God have to figure out. But I'm telling you it's worth it to have that conversation with him. The more I practice this, first of all, the more I realize how truly horrible I am at it. But also, the more I feel the the Holy Spirit's conviction in my life of, hey, Jenny, can you stop that for a while and just be? Let me give you an example. This Friday, I took part of the day trying to practice Sabbath. I had some other things I needed to accomplish, but I said, okay, I'm going to try to truly stop today. And so I did go to a local coffee shop. I went to the Starbucks, ordered my skinny vanilla latte. It's my favorite. And I tried to just sit there for a little while and just be. I tried to sit and just listen to the Holy Spirit's voice. And y'all, let me tell you what happened. I began to hear him. And I began to be convicted about some things. And I began to have to face some things that I didn't want to face. And you know what I did? I pulled my computer out of my bag. I booted that bad boy up. And I said, you know what? This ain't working. And I got back to work because Sabbath was hard. It was hard for me to feel the emotions rising up of the things that I didn't want to think about in that moment. And so what was my Sabbath became a work day because work for me in that moment was easier than rest. Y'all, rest is not easy. It is not easy, especially in our culture where we worship productivity. And we believe that what we do is who we are. But when we stop We have to be prepared for what we're going to hear. And sometimes the truth is hard, right? Sometimes it's hard to swallow what God is saying to us. And it's hard to receive what he wants to accomplish in us in those moments of stillness and silence. And I want you to understand that if you too begin the practice of Sabbath, it is not going to be the easiest part of your week. It might be the most productive because you will be changed in it, but it will not be the easiest Because stopping work is hard. Does anybody relate to that? That work is sometimes easier? And here is another truth about Sabbath that I don't believe we can separate it from silence. There's a philosopher who says, if I were allowed to prescribe just one remedy for all the ills of the modern world, I would prescribe silence. Most of us will default to noise every time. We get in the car, we turn on the radio. I remember we uh, did a fast a while back and my husband fasted from the radio in the car. Y'all, that's rough, right? Riding 30 minutes each way in silence, just you and God. That's hard. But we default to noise. Because, as I said earlier, we sometimes don't want to hear our own thoughts or what God is saying to us. We want to feel those uncomfortable silences. Have have any of y'all ever been to the chiropractor? Okay, if you've ever been to the chiropractor, you know that realignment can be tough, right? Isn't that why we go to the chiropractor? Um, I was training for, I'm a runner, I was training for a marathon a couple years ago. 
and things were out of alignment, and I was having trouble with kind of the outside of my knee. And so I went to the chiropractor, and it took several adjustments for them to get everything back in line so it would land the way it was supposed to as I stepped. And it wasn't easy. It was a, a process that took time. And, and sometimes it kind of hurt a little bit as things were popped back into place. Guys, listen, in silence... That's what's happening to us. We are being realigned with our creator. We are falling back into alignment of his authority over us, of his desires over us, of his desires for our time and our hours over our own desires. When we pause in silence, we remember that we are not the masters of our own universe. So I want to stop here, and I want to address a question that I know some of you might be asking or a misconception that might be out there. If we are New Covenant Christians under the blood of Jesus, then do we even have to follow the Ten Commandments? Well, y'all hear people ask this question a lot, right? Like people ask this about tithing because it's specifically spoken about first in the Old Testament. People say, well, that doesn't matter anymore. We're under the New Covenant. And yes, we are under the New Covenant, but that does not get rid of everything that God said in the Old Testament, right? Here's what Jesus says. He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law, the Old Testament, Ten Commandments, and other laws, nor the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I want you to think about how when Jesus comes along, he sort of ups the ante for the Ten Commandments, okay? So he says to his followers as he's teaching them, you have heard it said in the Ten Commandments, don't commit adultery, right? Don't sleep with someone that's not your spouse. But I say to you, if you look at a woman lustfully, you have committed adultery in your heart. Doesn't that up the ante? It makes it a little bit more difficult, right? The same is true with murder. You've heard it said, don't kill each other. But I'm telling you that when you're angry in your heart, you are committing murder that way and you will face judgment. He makes things more difficult. Why would we then think the, that the Sabbath no longer matters? There's a new standard for the Sabbath. And that's what I want to talk about today. So... In Matthew 12, which is where we're going to be next, Jesus is with his followers, and they pick some grains, okay? They pick um, some food to eat, and the Pharisees are unhappy with it because it breaks a Sabbath commandment. And so this is what Jesus teaches here. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. And when the Pharisees, those are the ones who were the rule keepers, right? When they saw this, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. And he answered, well, haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, the temple. And he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do. They weren't supposed to do it. It was only for the priest. Or haven't you read in the law that the priest on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? He says, I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. What's he talking about? Himself, right? Something greater is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. It's okay for hungry people to eat on the Sabbath, right? For the Son of Man, Jesus himself, is Lord of the Sabbath. 
So again here, with the commandment to observe a Sabbath day and keep it holy, Jesus ups the ante and says, now, it is no longer just enough for you to take a day off work and for you not to pick grain and for you not to knead your bread and for you not to sew on a button. No, I'm upping the ante. That's not enough. Now you have to learn to rest in me. Isn't there a difference, ladies and gentlemen, between taking a day off work and observing that day as a holy day? Resting in Jesus. He makes it a little more difficult than merely observing a rule. And so when you and I ask, well, do I have to tithe? Do I have to observe the Sabbath? Do I have to not commit murder? The answer is still, ladies and gentlemen, yes, but even more so, right? It's not just about not committing murder. It's about avoiding the anger and taking it out on other people. It's not just about tithing your 10%, but also going above and beyond. The same is true of the Sabbath. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. And so what I want to to make sure you understand today is I am not telling you the point of my message is not, hey, you got to take a day off work a week. The point's more than that. The point is that you and I have to learn to rest in the Lord of the Sabbath. That you and I will not find true rest until we rest in Him. That it's more than just about observing a Sabbath day and keeping it holy. No, it's about resting in Jesus Christ. There is a deeper problem that you and I have that sleep will not solve. You can sleep 12 hours a night and still not be rested until you rest in Christ. Have you experienced that in your life? where there's nothing, there's no amount of sleep, there's not enough ambient or melatonin in the world to keep you from your worries, but there is a rest, a peace that only Jesus can give. And that's what we are after today. And I believe that our inability to rest is deeply connected to our independence from God. Because when we say, I can do it all on my own, I can handle everything that comes my way in the 24 hours of my day, in the seven days of my week, when I try to handle it all myself, we are being independent from our true creator and the source of our rest. And that is why we are unable to ever truly be still. That's why we're unable to sit in comfortable silence with God because we're not resting in him. Friday, when I was at that coffee shop, I was not resting in him in that moment, right? I chose to go back after my striving and my working because that was easier than facing the true dependence that I need to have on my creator. Listen to me, Four Points Church. You can come here on a Sunday morning and convince yourself that you are observing the Sabbath, but there are 168 hours in your week, and the one you spend in this house is not enough to keep you fed. It is not enough to keep you rested. Don't you dare say that that one hour a week is the be-all, end-all for your life, because it is not. If you are trying to find everything you need in one hour a week at a church, you will be miserable for the rest of your life. You and I are to be spending our entire lives resting in Jesus Christ, not just showing up at church on Sunday morning and thinking that's going to be sufficient. It is not. It was never intended to be. Four Points Church will never be your source of rest. It will never be your sole source of nourishment. That's why you have the Word of God. That's why you have the Holy Spirit within you because that is to take place outside of this place. We come here for community. We come here to worship together, not to be fed. Y'all, think about how many times a week you eat. Do you eat once a week and think it's going to be enough? You're doing it daily, right? You're doing it daily. 
The same is to be true of the nourishment that we are getting from the Word of God. The same is to be true from the rest that we get from our Maker. It ain't going to happen on a Sunday morning at a church house. It's not going to happen. Stop blaming other people for your lack of nourishment. Stop blaming other people for your lack of rest. That is an issue between you and your Maker. Somebody started preaching in here. Listen, the world, the community that we live in preaches self-care. Y'all have heard that term, haven't you? All about self-care. Can I tell you something? There are not enough massages and face masks and spa days in this world to give you true rest. You can spend every dollar you make at the Walgreens picking up a face mask and some concealer. Guess what? It's not going to be enough. You have to rest in the sovereignty and the provision and the mercy and the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. It is him and him alone that is Lord of Sabbath. He is the provider of rest. No person, no product, no place can provide it for you. Jesus can. And as long as you are trying to do it on your own or have somebody else do it for you, you won't have it. Some of you came in here this morning feeling like you are on a hamster wheel, like you are spinning your wheels and you are saying, please get me off of this ride. And you're looking for a solution. I have the solution. His name is Christ. You will never rest until you rest in Jesus. You will never be satisfied until you find your satisfaction in him. I've tried it. Nothing else works. Nothing else works. He is our source of satisfaction. It's not a nap that our souls need. Your body might need it, but your soul doesn't just need a nap. It's not a vacation that your soul needs. Although I'm telling you, I'm taking one in a couple weeks. I'm ready to go. But my soul needs the rest that I can only find in Jesus. I want you to listen to this quote that convicted me this week. If anybody wants to learn more about Sabbath, this book is called 24-6 right? 24-6, not 24-7. And uh, the author is Matthew Sleeth, S-L-E-E-T-H. And he says in that book that the negative emotions and feelings we experience when we come to a stop are a barometer of our comfort with God. Deal with your boredom. God is on the other side. Whew, that was my problem on Friday, right? The feelings, the tears that were welling up in me at the Starbucks in Duncan. We're a barometer in that moment of my comfort with God. I was uncomfortable with what he was saying, with what he was revealing, and with what he was wanting to do in my life. And so I avoided it. But God was on the other side of it. Guys, God is right on the other side of whatever you are avoiding facing this morning. He is right there on the other side. But you have to face it head on. You have to face the discomfort and sit in it for a while. You know, I was thinking about illustrations for this message and one of the things that occurred to me was Newton's first law of motion. If y'all took physics, y'all know about Newton's laws, right? That an object in motion does what? It stays in motion. Likewise, an object at rest tends to stay at rest unless there's an external force that acts on it, right? Some of us think that we are objects. We are acting like we are objects that are meant to stay in motion. And there is an external force, and his name is God the Father. And he is saying to us, no, it's time for you to stop. We are not designed to be objects that stay in perpetual motion. God designed us to have a limited number of hours in our day. He designed us to have a Sabbath each week where we stop, 
we cease our working, we cease striving, and we are still and know that He is God. That's how He designed us. So what do we do with this information? Y'all, it's not just enough to know what Sabbath is and isn't, right? It's not just to know that, okay, Sabbath does not mean Sunday, it means stop. But it's meant to inform our lives. It's meant to make a change. And so my challenge for y'all is the same thing that I've been challenging you with and that Pastor Stephen has been challenging you with in January is that it's time. It's time. We challenge you, it's time to start reading your Bible. Some of you have joined me in that. We're reading our Bibles every day. Isn't that a practice? Some days you do better than others. I'm not gonna ask for your show of hands, but I know there have been days when your eyes saw the words on that page and your brain has no idea what those words said, right? It happens. It's a practice. We get better at it the more we do it. We have asked you to participate in the practice of community. Tuesday nights, ladies, we meet at Barista Alley and Greer at 7 o'clock. We practice community and vulnerability there. If you were there Tuesday night, you know what I'm talking about. We talked about some deep stuff. Men, y'all meet Thursday mornings at 6.30 at Theo's. Same thing. We're practicing doing life together. The 21-day fast we're completing today is a practice of separating ourselves from the world so we can receive from God. We're going to begin practicing, I hope, Sabbath together as a church. Why? Because God not only commanded it, but he gifted it to us. We are a people set apart. He is holy, and we are to remember that on a Sabbath. I know that some of y'all are saying in your minds right now, Jenny, you don't lost your mind. I don't have a day each week I can devote to Sabbath, and you might not, but can I tell you something? You have an hour If you have 168 hours in a week and you can spend three of them each day watching TV, you can find an hour for Sabbath, right? I stepped on my own toe with that one. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a look at the sheet of paper that was on your seat as you came in today. This is a little thing that I developed. If you don't like it, there's nobody to blame but Jenny, okay, if this doesn't work for you. But I hope that this will be something that will help you in your practice of Sabbath. So at the top, it just reminds you, Sabbath is not Sunday. Sabbath is a stop day. Or if you need to mark out day and write the word hour so it is more palatable for you, please do that, okay? Sabbath means stop. And we're gonna talk about how we practice it. We will rest from, we will rest to, we will rest in, and we will rest by. And what I wanna do is I wanna give you some generics that will help you hopefully in that practice. And then I'm gonna ask you to make it more specific for your own life. So for example, I will rest from. What are the things I need to rest from? Generically, I think we could all say, we need to rest from our to-do list, right? We need to rest from our worries, from our anxieties, from our unanswered questions, from our need to feel important by what we do. What do you need to rest from this morning? Not only can we rest from things, but we rest in order to. And this one to me is so important. The reason we rest is not just to recuperate, not just so our bodies feel ready to face another week, but we rest to have our perspective renewed. We rest to remember that our creator is holy and he is sovereign and that he is Jehovah Jireh, the provider. 
we rest to remember that He is the God who sees all of the work we do the other six days of the week. We rest to be changed. We rest to rest in His holiness. We rest in His sufficiency. We rest in His provision. We rest in His love. Can I tell you something? On Friday, when I was sitting in silence and I was having those hard emotions rise up, I chose not to rest in His love. I chose to think that because I was feeling something difficult, God, His love must be absent from me. Y'all, that is not true. You feeling or facing something difficult doesn't mean His love has disappeared. It doesn't. I have to learn to rest in His love even in the hard times. I have to rest in the fact that He will provide for me even if I take a day off work and financially on paper, it makes no sense. Y'all, there was a Supreme Court justice, I forget his name. I can try to find it if it matters to you. But anyway, he chose to take a month-long sabbatical right before a really important case. And he was trying to describe why to people, to explain it to them. And he said, here's what I have found. I can get a year's worth of work done in 11 months. I can't get it done in 12. God's math is different from ours, isn't it? It doesn't make sense to us that if we have seven days we could be productive, why are we going to be more productive with six and a Sabbath? Because God's math is different than ours. We have to rest in trusting what we don't understand. It's like tithing. It doesn't make sense how we can live better on 90% of our money than we can on 100%, but we can. God's math is different. We rest in the sufficiency of Christ, and we rest by This is where we have to take some steps. We rest by choosing when our Sabbath will be. And no matter what happens, observing it. We rest by planning ahead. You might only have one hour that can be your Sabbath this week. You know what? Talk to your spouse and say, honey, you got the kids. You helped create them. You can watch them for an hour. This is my Sabbath. You have to plan ahead, right? By saying no. We are a culture that hates to say no. But to Sabbath, to step into Sabbath, you got to step away from some other things. You got to learn to say no. We Sabbath by making those hard choices. We rest by stopping being silent and living countercultural. If this feels really hard for you right now, can I give you some encouragement? That Sabbath, whether it is an hour or a day, is meant to be a refuge for you, not a prison. It's not meant to be a list of rules that you follow, and if you mess up, God strikes you dead. You know what? When I pulled my computer out on Friday, God did not strike me with lightning. He just said, okay, we'll try again next time. It's meant to be a refuge. It's meant to be a place of recovery for you, but also a place of remembrance that God is exactly what you need. It's not pass or fail. Sabbath is not. I want you to listen to these truths from Scripture as we close here. Psalm 92, this is a verse I memorized years ago, probably 15 years ago, and I had it on an index card on my makeup mirror. And I love it. It says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. So good. But that's the only place we'll find true rest. Psalm 127, this is for those of you who are workaholics. Please listen. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. 
Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. It's in vain if it's not for him. And finally, from the New Testament, Matthew, come to me, Jesus says, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy. That burden is not unbearable. You'll be able to stand up under it. Some of you have come in here this morning, and I know that you are weary and you are burdened and you are desperately desiring rest. And maybe it is a physical sleep you need. If so, go home, take a nap, take an Ambien, and I'll see you in the morning. But if you've come in here and it's a different kind of exhaustion, if it is not a physical exhaustion, but it is a soul weariness, I'm here to tell you that I have the answer that I know who can give you rest. And his name is Jesus Christ. Nothing else will ever give you that rest. It is Christ and Christ alone because he is Lord of the Sabbath. He is Lord of your life if you will surrender and he will give you everything that you need because he is the provider. I wanna give you an opportunity here in just a second to take what we've learned about Sabbath and to take those generics of how we will rest and turn them into specifics for your life this week. The teacher in me is gonna give you some homework. Y'all ready? You're choosing a Sabbath time this week. Whether it is one hour or whether it is one day, I am asking everybody in this church, everybody who's watching me online right now to decide to pre-plan that I'm not just going to stop my work, but I'm going to focus on my Christ. That I'm going to remember the holiness of my God so that I will be a people, a person set apart for him as he commanded way back in Genesis and in Exodus. That's your homework. And so what we're gonna do here in just a second is our band is going to sing one of my all-time favorite songs that was sung at my wedding, Holy Wedding Day. And it talks about the holiness of our God, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. And as they sing, I'm gonna ask you to remain seated and to focus on Sabbath, to focus on what God is saying to you about you and your workaholic tendencies, you and your inability to stop and to rest and remember that He is God. And I'm gonna ask you to let Him convict you and challenge you and change you even in the moments that this song is sung. And then we're going to sing another song so y'all can get up and dance and run the aisles, okay? All right, we're going to pray, and then our band is going to close. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are a God not just of rules and laws and expectations, but that you are a God of grace and you give us the gift of rest, not just so our bodies can recover, but so our souls can be still and know that you are the provider, that you are the one who will give us everything we need if we will only submit it to you, God. We, we don't deserve a day of rest. We deserve to work nonstop. But you and your love and your grace have given us a time to cease working and we are grateful for that. Church, if you are in this room this morning and you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, you will never find true rest. And so I want to give you that chance this morning. If you are sitting there and your heart is beating fast and you're going, I need that, I'm offering it to you. All you have to do 
is in your heart, say, Christ, I'm yours. I believe that you are the Son of God who died for me so that I could be put back into a relationship with my Father. If that's you, all I want you to do is to just raise your hand so that I can see who you are and I can pray for you and we can help you take your steps towards finding true rest in Christ. If that's you, just slip up your hand. And for everyone else, I want to remind you that rest is a gift. It is a refuge from a God who loves you. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You guys remain seated as our band sings.